And we're going to come and open up God's Word together now. So if you have a Bible, then do reach for it or scroll to it uh, wherever you have your Bible. And we're going to be turning to Matthew, first book of the New Testament, and continue our series in the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to invite Kate to come and to read our passage to us. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, and we'll be reading uh, verses 24 through to 34. Thank you, Kate. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Thank you, Kate. And let's just pray for Dan as he comes to share God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that it is true, that it is powerful, that it is uh, sharper than a two-edged sword, that it is able to cut deep into our hearts and show us uh, who we really are and who you, are, who you really are. And Father, I pray that you would be with Dan now as he explains your words, that you would uh, help him as he um, proclaims your truth. Lord, please open our hearts and our minds and our ears. Give us concentration and give us the ability to take on what you have to say to us this morning. And may you change us by your words as we hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, James. And good morning, everyone. Oh, it's so lovely to see you all morning. If you're tuning in online, a really warm welcome to you. And do keep your Bibles open in front of you as we look and this amazing part of God's Word together this morning. Well, I'll be honest. I wake up feeling anxious virtually every single morning. 
I go to bed often anxious and worrying about what's going on and all that's coming up. I worry throughout the day and it can feel like a, you know, a concrete slab that sits on your chest and you can't move it. At times it can feel overwhelming. It can feel exhausting. And quite frankly, it can be terrifying. And I know this morning that there are those people here, people listening, maybe watching online, who battle with exactly the same thing. Some who find it even harder. But I know one thing for certain this morning, that we all know what it is to be anxious. We all know what the feeling of worry feels like whether that be in our jobs or in the businesses that we run and we look after, whether it's our families and our children that we worry about, whether it's students, I guess at the moment, worrying about exams and the grades that you're going to come out with and and worrying about the future and all of it holds and all of the unknowns. I can even imagine right now there are maybe those of us here this morning tuning in who are thinking and worrying about all of the situations that are going on in life that exist outside of this building right now. And it's a horrible feeling, isn't it? We don't like feeling anxious. And yet, it's important to say that not all anxiety is bad, is it? I mean, part of it is natural. I mean, sometimes it keeps us from getting into trouble. I mean, an architect that does a good job of building a bridge you would say, if he's waking up or she's waking up concerned about the design of their building, the materials and the quality of its design and, and checking the figures and it all adds up, you would say that's good to be concerned about that. It's good that they're worried about something like that. A Paul in, in Corinthians, another part of the Bible, he says even that he's anxious He's anxious for all the churches that he's looking after and he's praying for and he's anxious and he's worried and he's concerned for them. And yet, and yet Jesus tells us, do not worry. We heard from our passage. Jesus says, do not worry about your life. There is a worry that Jesus does not want us to have this morning. And that word worry that we see come up time and time again in our passage, it's a word that indicates something that distracts or divides us. And so the kind of anxiety that Jesus seems to be describing here is a worry that is looking so much at the world around us that it's lost sight of God. It's worried that's not looking at God. It's a worry that you could say takes God out of the equation. You know, I think I've only seen one 3D movie. I think I've only ever seen one 3D movie, and that was when I was with a family in Germany. I used to, some summers, I used to go over, spend a couple of weeks with a German family uh, for a couple of weeks, and, you know, the aim trying to make me, you know, better at the language and all of that kind of stuff. And I was saying, there were great times, and, and this one summer that I went over to stay with this family in Germany, I can remember that one day they said, well, let's all go to the cinema. And they wanted to watch, I think, the newest release of Harry Potter. Back then, you know, there was only like 
three or four Harry Potters at that point, but it was the newest release of Harry Potter. And so uh, the family said, oh, let's go and watch uh, Harry Potter. And so I went along to watch Harry Potter in 3D. And, you know, you walk in and they give you the glasses and it's you know, all quite remarkable. Well, it's not really, but anyway, I thought it was. And I was there in this German cinema. Now, you're all smart people. I, I know you can see where this is going. You see, year eight German prepares you for many things when traveling to Germany. Uh, You know, what's your name? Uh, Where do you live? It doesn't quite prepare you to sit through two hours of a German edition of Harry Potter. And so it wasn't exactly the most enjoyable experience for me. And quite frankly, half the way through the film, I'd seen all the spoilers, so I wasn't going to go back and watch it in English. I didn't understand any of it. The audio wasn't doing anything. So halfway through, I don't know whether you've done this watching a 3D film, I took off my glasses. I was like, I want to see what the film looks like without my glasses on. And quite frankly, it was all a bit of a mess. You know, it was just this big screen with this kind of blurred reality of, of what the film was meant to look like in 3D. And, and I want to say this morning that worry without God in the equation feels a bit like that. It feels a bit of a blur. It feels like something's missing from the equations. A new pair of glasses we need to have, you could say. And Jesus this morning provides us with those glasses, those 3D glasses, you could say. And he tells us that when we put God back into the equation with our worry and anxiety, it gives us a totally different perspective. Totally different perspective. Now, our passage this morning, it, it flows directly from what we heard last week. That's why, uh, Kate, you say wonderfully, thank you for reading out the end of last week's passage at the start. And isn't it interesting that Jesus, having just talked about money, having just talked about our heart's desire you know, to, to chase after and to treasure the things of earth that don't last, he then moves on to say, do not worry. Isn't that interesting? There's a link here that Jesus wants us to see between storing up treasures for ourselves on earth and anxiety that Jesus says we can face. And there's a link that he wants us to recognize. And as we go through our passage this morning, I've got three points that will hopefully lay a foundation for us this morning. And I hope and I pray they are points that help us gain a new perspective maybe when it comes to the struggles and the anxieties that we face each and every day. So our first point this morning, if we may be making notes, it says this. First point is know that you are loved immeasurably by a Father who provides. Know that you are loved immeasurably by a Father who provides. I mean, this is what Jesus' two illustrations are are meant to point us towards, right? With the birds and the flowers. Uh, Jesus says, verse 26, look with me. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And in verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. 
You can imagine it, can't you? Jesus, he's here. He's sat on the mountainside and he sat with his disciples and you can see birds flying around in the sky and as he's speaking, the disciples are sat in a field surrounded by flowers to look at and Jesus, he tells them, he says, look, look, look at the birds and look at the flowers all around. I don't know whether anyone here or watching, whether we've got any avid bird watchers here this morning. Now, one man who was an avid bird watcher was the, was the great preacher John Stott. He loved this verse. And he even said that this verse gives a biblical warrant for that activity. So there we go. If you're bird watching, you've got a verse to back it up. But when we study and we look at birds, well, one thing for certain when we do is we notice that, well, birds, they're not lazy, are they? Arguably, you could say that birds are are the hardest working creatures around that we see. And yet it's almost like Jesus says, as we look at the birds who are flying from different place to place, it's almost as though they work, and yet they trust God. They trust that God will still be God tomorrow. God will still be faithful and still provide. God's not going to change. Jesus isn't calling us to be lazy here, thinking that everything's going to come on a silver platter to us if we're trusting in Jesus. Just as a bird isn't lazy, but the point is, if our Father knows how to look after and does look after and watches over birds and a bit of grassland that Jesus says in verse 30 is here today and gone tomorrow, how much more do we think he's going to look after us? How much more do we think he's going to look after you this morning? I mean, it would be crazy, wouldn't it? Picture this. You know, that if, if a father came downstairs in the morning and his children were sat there at the breakfast table needing some food, some breakfast, and the father comes into the kitchen, opens up one of the cupboards and grabs a, a large sack of bird feed, walks out into the garden, tops up the bird feeder, gets out the hose and sprays all of the flowers, walks back inside, walks past the children and heads upstairs. That is not what a good father does. And that is not the father Jesus says that we have. Our heavenly father, we are loved immeasurably by a father who cares. And he knows our needs. You know, a few weeks ago we saw that this father sees what is in our heart. He knows as much as what we do in secret as we do in public. And so Jesus said he also knows your need. He knows everything. And when I think about that, you know, I've been thinking about this throughout this week. I, I was thinking about the Apostle Paul as I was reflecting on these verses. Someone who, who wrote a lot of the New Testament. And I mean, he suffered greatly, didn't he? He suffered greatly. I mean, talk about people who had stuff to worry about. He had highs. He had lows. He went just through about anything and everything that you could imagine. And yet, Paul says... In Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul knew exactly what Jesus was teaching. 
that God is faithful every single day. He had everything in life that he needed to serve God in whatever capacity he was in, wherever he was, whoever he was with. And it didn't mean vast riches for Paul. It didn't mean often good health for him. It meant like the lesson the birds of the air teaches. There is a Father in heaven who provides for my need. He gives me the strength that I need. A father who watches over. A father who loves me immeasurably. You know, Paul would write in another part in Romans, he says, who can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? He says, death can't do it. Suffering can't do it. Angels, demons, they can't do it. Nothing can separate me from the love of my father that is in Christ Jesus. God is faithful each and every day. And so in our worry and anxiety, Jesus says, we'll put this into our equation, that we are immeasurably loved by a father who cares, a need-meeting God who is faithful to the birds and to the flowers each and every day, and he will be faithful to you and to me each day, and he will provide what we need. But secondly, this morning, know that you are not in control, but your heavenly Father is. You see, I love what Jesus says here because he's just so practical. It's so logical. It's almost like a a dose of reality that Jesus gives to us. Look with me at verse 27. Jesus says, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And I know what Jesus has just said there. It's almost like, well, he could say, Jesus, you're just pointing out what is just obvious, right? We, we, we know that's what worry. We know that about worrying. We know we can't do that. And yet we can so often forget it, can't we? Because what Jesus does in just this very simple question, he helps us see something that will be immensely helpful in dealing with the root of what is often at the root of our anxieties and our worries, You see, when I examine myself, times when I feel overwhelmed with worry, I'm worried because I'm seeking control of a situation and I'm finding out that I don't have any. Worry at its heart often seeks control. It wants to be able to manage situations in the way that we would want them to be managed. And so when it can't, when I find out I have no control and I can't manage this situation the way I want to, well, that's when worry can set in. That's when it can feel overwhelming. And when that worry takes its eyes off God, when it takes God out of the picture, well, do you know, it says to God, I don't trust you, God, to get it right. I don't trust you, God, to get at the amount of times that I've been worried about my future. I've been worried about things that are coming up in my week. I've been worried about conversations that I'll be having. And I say to God in my heart, I don't trust you, God, to get it right. Because I want to be in control. And I don't like it when I'm not. And Jesus, in just that one simple question in verse 27, again, he causes us to have an entirely different perspective on what control we really have anyway. Because Jesus says we can't add a second, let alone an hour 
power onto our lives. You can't control that. When it comes down to the bottom of things, that is something we don't have control over. I think it's linked to what Jesus says right at the end in in verse 34. Jesus says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Why worry about something that we have no control over? We can't predict, we can't control what will happen tomorrow. Although we wish we could. We wish some days that we could almost live our tomorrow today. But we can't. We're not in control, Jesus says. He gives us a little dose of reality. However much we maybe long to be in control, however much we maybe think we are, or maybe we hope we are, Jesus gives us a dose of reality that actually we're not. And I want to say this morning, that is liberating for us. That is absolutely liberating. Because it means that Jesus actually shows us the best way to deal with a worry and anxiety when it sets in is learning not to expect to be in control, but to actually embrace the reality that we are not in control and resting in the one who does. Learning to rest in what we call the sovereignty of God. That's the sovereignty of God, meaning that God is in control of all things. All things you could say are in his hands. Not a bit of it is outside of his control. That actually, whilst I don't know what my tomorrow is going to hold, actually, I know someone who does. And he's in complete control of it. Whilst I don't know how that business meeting tomorrow that could decide the rest of my future is going to go, I know someone who does. And he's in control of every aspect of it. I might not know how the conversation is going to go with someone that I need to have a conversation with that's going to be a real worry, but I know someone who is. And I know who is in control of every situation. I might not know what my future holds and where I'll be in five, ten years, but I know someone who is. And I know someone who's got complete control over my life. I might not be able to add a single hour onto my life. But I know who's the keeper of my life. I know the one who determines the length of days that I have from beginning to end. I know who's in control of my life. I know who holds my breath in his hands, as Daniel chapter 8 says. No, you're not in control. But your Father in heaven is, and he loves you immeasurably, as we've seen. He loves you immeasurably. And so if we're always seeking After control of our circumstances, well, do you know we're always going to be left worried? We're always going to be left worried, which is why it's liberating that Jesus says not only the futility of trying to have control, but pointing us to the one who really is, setting our eyes on him. And so this morning, when worry strikes, when I feel in my heart that anxiety of not having control, well, I want to embrace it. Learn to embrace it and to trust and to know and to recognize that actually I don't have control, but God does. Which brings us to our third and final point this morning, which is know where 
to seek first. Nowhere to seek first. You could say that this is the real heart of our passage this morning. This is where everything has been building because Jesus, three times in our passage, if you look there, he says, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. He says that three times. And what worries us dictates where our focus is, where our attention is. In verse 33, Jesus says, this is what's occupying the thoughts of everyone else around. This is what they're focusing on. This is what is the focus of their minds. But in verse 34, Jesus says what should occupy our focus. Where it is we should start looking. In verse 34, Jesus says this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. We've been seeing already that worry, the worry being spoken about here is a worry that you could say has taken God out of the equation. But Jesus says that actually our priority should be to put Christ right in the forefront of our equation, to have our focus on him. Jesus knows that focusing and having a focus that solely fixes our eyes on everything that's going on in the world around us will only lead us to be worried and to be anxious. And not that we're not meant to be thinking about those things, but our thinking should start, Jesus says, By seeking him, by seeking after his kingdom and his righteousness. It takes us back to the Beatitudes that Jesus started with in chapter 5, verse 6, where Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled, they will be satisfied. Righteousness, if I could put it maybe as simply as I maybe can, righteousness is to love what God loves, to love what God loves. And we might be asking, well, how, what does it look like to do this? How can we seek his kingdom and his righteousness first? How do we do that? What does it look like to do that? Well, I think in the Bible we are given the perfect example. The perfect example of what it looks like to do that. And it comes from Luke chapter 10, where Jesus, he goes to the home of Mary and Martha. And Jesus, he's there teaching in Mary and Martha's home, and we're introduced to Mary. And Mary, she is there, and she sat at Jesus' feet with this crowd that is listening to his words. She's not moving for anyone. Her focus is on Christ, front and center. Nothing else matters to Mary in that moment. And then, in that account of Jesus' life, we're introduced to Martha. And Martha, it says, well, it says she's distracted by all of the preparations that have to be made. She's trying to get everything ready. She's worried about all of that. And she becomes so annoyed at her sister that she's not helping her that she comes to Jesus and she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Maybe we can resonate with that. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. We can worry about so many things, can't we? We can seek after so many things. 
But it's almost like Jesus says, is our real concern and our real worry about seeking him. And I know that there will be some here this morning or listening maybe, and you'll say, you have no idea what I have to worry about. You have no idea. And I'm sure you're right. I have no idea. But Jesus here isn't trivializing our worries. He's not saying that they don't matter. He's not saying that they're not real. But seeking him first actually gives us a totally new perspective in our worry. It gives us a foundation that makes our worries and our anxieties actually easier to come to terms with. Mary chose what was better to put her focus on first. She had loads of things to worry about, but Mary was seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness by looking at Christ. She was seeking him first, and and Jesus says, I'm not going to take that away from her. She's doing the right thing. She's looking at me first. And that makes all the difference. Martha, you're the one who's distracted, and you're worried about everything that's going on. And you've forgotten to look at me. And ultimately this morning, we're told to seek his kingdom and his righteousness first. It's a command to seek Christ. The first in our minds. He's the king of this kingdom. And practically, how can we do that? Well, do you know, I wonder, you know, just reading his life. I know we say that. Maybe it's even going out for a coffee with a friend this week and maybe saying, look, do you want to just read a chapter of Jesus' life together? Do you want to, do you want to just seek Christ together first? Do you want to see what he has to say to us? That's where it starts. Waking up, seeking Christ. And we might be, we might be saying this morning, well, it's easy for you, Jesus. It's easy for you to say, do not worry. You're the son of God. Of course, you don't have to worry about clothes or food or your life you're in heaven of course you don't have to worry and yet the Jesus who tells us not to be anxious this morning the Jesus who tells us not to be anxious about those things is the very person who lost all of those things Jesus when he was crucified he had all of his clothes stripped from him And he hung naked on the cross. When he was on the cross, he cried out, I thirst. He was hungry and thirsty. And it was on that cross where his life was ended. Jesus knows what he's saying here in the Sermon of the Mount. He's not insensitive. He's not patronizing us. Because something incredible happens when we seek Christ first. Something incredible happens. Because actually when we look at Christ, we actually see something incredible that he was stripped of clothes so that I could wear clothes, spiritually speaking. So that I could be clothed in clothes of righteousness. That the clothes that I wore that were stained with sin before God that were dirty and God couldn't deal with and didn't want to be with, actually Christ gives us new clothes. He gives us his clothes that are perfect and acceptable in God's sight. 
Jesus thirsted and hungered on the cross so that we this morning might be satisfied in him and our longing for treasures of this world might be ended and that hole in our hearts that we long to fill with loads of different things might be finally filled by Christ himself and the joy of knowing him being with us and Jesus he died so that we might live this morning so that actually we might not be able to add a single second onto our lives but Jesus has come that death actually might not mark the end but just the beginning for those who love Jesus the beginning of an eternity spent with him when we seek Christ first our perspective changes and this morning i want to say if we don't know this for ourselves maybe if we aren't seeking and walking with jesus and yet we resonate what jesus what jesus is saying here about rushing and worrying about everything else and we want to know what it means to know and to seek christ then please you know please come and speak to me afterwards please come and message the church office or maybe speak with a christian friend and ask them what does it mean to seek jesus first what does it mean to know him and discover this life altering perspective and for the rest of us this morning for walking with jesus our hope this morning we see in jesus teaching a foundation that he gives us given by jesus to help us when it comes to the worries and the anxieties that we face to know that we are immeasurably you are immeasurably loved by a father who provides that you're not in control but your father in heaven is and to know where to seek first if we're struggling with anxiety this morning i know this isn't going to solve everything i know it's a continual battle but it's a battle that jesus wants us to grapple with and as i heard one person say this week jesus says these words not because we don't worry but precisely because we do and so this morning let us like mary find rest at jesus feet let's pray lord jesus we come to you this morning and we want to bring our worries to you we want to bring our anxieties that you know that are on our hearts you know the struggles that we're facing the things that we are anxious about and lord it feels like we'd have no control over these things and we're powerless to do anything about it and lord we pray this morning that we would go from this building that we would leave viewing this live stream with a peace of knowing that we are totally in your hands that we are loved immeasurably by you a father who provides that though we're not in control you father really are in control and we pray that we would seek christ first every day and that his new perspective would be the thing that gives us a foundation when battling with the anxieties and the worries that we face oh lord jesus teach us mold us and shape us but lord give us a peace that comes from you we pray amen